All right, let's uh, pray. We'll be looking at uh, John uh, 17, and we'll start in verse 3, but let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this time to gather, Lord. We just uh, do want to hear a word from you, Lord, as we search the scriptures this morning. Lord, open up our hearts, speak to us, we pray, and instruct us and teach us the things you want us to know. Father, help us to make application with what we read today and what we study. And Lord, open our hearts that we might receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, last week, I talked to you uh, about knowing your enemy. Anybody remember that? Okay, we talked about knowing our enemy. Who is he? Satan. And uh, Satan's our enemy. He is our adversary. Uh, he is our accuser. I didn't bring that one up, but he is certainly our accuser. In the book of Revelation, this is what it says in uh, chapter 12 and verse 10. It says, And I heard a loud voice uh, saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and uh, the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God, listen, day and night. You see how malevolent he is? He's like, see what they did? See what they did? Day and night, he's doing that. A lot of people think uh, God cannot stand in the presence of sin. Listen, Satan is before the throne of God accusing us day and night, okay? Uh, again, that's uh, Satan, that's his nature. We talked about the strategies he used to trip us up and destroy our witness. Uh, I, I gave you some points. Uh, one of them is he's a scriptural fact. If you think Satan doesn't exist, you would be sadly mistaken. He exists. He is a scriptural fact. He is a person, uh, you know, a, a fallen angel. Uh, the second thing he does is he seeks whom he may devour. He is intentional about it. Uh, Peter tells us that he's as a roaring lion seeking, uh, prowling about, seeking whom he may devour. And uh, Satan sows seeds of corruption within Christ's church by planting tares among the wheat. That's a, uh, uh, an analogy. Um, there are unbelievers right in, in the church of God, okay? And they are... Uh, what are they doing? They are uh, false Christians who spread false doctrines, okay, uh, which the Bible calls doctrines of devils. And they, they, they twist, they pervert the truth of God, and he sends among God's church, Satan does this, seducing spirits um, who spread these false doctrines, damnable heresies, we're told, and through the preaching and teaching of a false gospel and a false Jesus. That's what these seducing spirits are doing within the church. Okay, in order to lead you to a false Christ, a false salvation. Okay, now here's the amazing thing about it. The ones who would, uh, who, who would be under Satan's power are deceived and they seldom know it. They think they're doing the kingdom some good. They think they're doing it for Christ. Oftentimes, they're just as deceived, self-deceived. They don't know it. Now, last week, I told you also that although Satan is a defeated foe, he is a dangerous foe. He is as a wounded animal, okay? Now, we are to know uh, his battle strategy. We're to know his point of attack. Who's he attacking? Us. Individually, collectively. He is attacking us. We need to know that. That's enough about Satan, okay? Today I want to give you cause to rejoice. We're not going to talk about him. He's, he's fairly depressing. He's uh, fairly a downer when you start talking about the devil. But I want to give you cause to rejoice. And I was meditating uh, about this, uh, about how little the church actually knows about our adversary. And now I realize this thought, that uh, we often know even less about God and his son which should never happen in the church of God, but that often happens. We know a whole bunch about evil. We know a whole bunch about what evil looks like, what it does. Sometimes we're participating in it, and we know very little about what God uh, is and who he is and what he does, okay? So we're going to talk about today knowing God, and that's the uh, title of today's message, Know Your God, okay? So let's look at uh, John in chapter 17 and verse 3, because there is a, 
A thing that Jesus says here that it seems like just a very short passage, but it is the key to knowing eternal life. Okay? And it says this, Jesus said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee. What does it say next? The only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Okay? If you think there's more than one God, you would be mistaken on that account. There's only one true God. Okay? All the rest are but idols, we're told in the Bible. All right, here's the first point. If you're taking notes, here's the first point. God wants us to know Him. How can you have eternal life if you don't know Him and His Son? He wants you to know Him. All right? And it's, He's not talking about He wants you to know about Him. He wants you to, to come to a church that's uh, maybe preaching Him or, or reading words about God. He wants you to know Him. That's why these words are there. That's why you uh, have the written word preserved of God so that you can go home and get to know God. Open up your Bible. Study it. Read it. Um, if you look further down in uh, verse 24, um, and I think, well, maybe that's not the right verse. Oh, it was Acts 17, sorry. Turn to Acts 17, after John. I just saw 17. I knew that didn't look right. Acts chapter 17 and verse 24. Okay, this is, um, this is a verse that I, I share quite a bit because I, I especially share it with people that are maybe seeking who God is and want to know about Him because I think that's the context of the passage. But uh, Paul, when he went up to Mars Hills, Mars Hill in Athens, and he spoke to the uh, philosophers at the Areopagus, he said this. He says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Okay? Uh, get that down. He's not sitting in a building somewhere that you got to go to to find God. Right? It says, Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything, seeing He giveth to all life and breath and all things. It says, And hath made of one Na or one blood, all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath the time and the, uh, determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation. Look at this verse, verse 27. That they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now, uh, I, I just find that to be uh, an amazing, ver or amazing passage, and uh, it, it's blessed me. So let me, let me uh, kind of boil it down for you. God has made you to be born at a set time to specific parents in a particular location on earth for the sole purpose that you might seek him like a person trying to find their way in the dark, kind of grope after him and know him and know eternal life. That, that's why, you, you know, why am I here, we, we often ask. You're here for this purpose. I don't mean here in this building, but that also. But I mean, you're on the earth at this time and place. Uh, you were born where you were born. He did all of this to stack the deck that you might be able to know him and no eternal life, okay? Uh, sometimes I, I hear people say, well, I was born in the wrong era. Nope, you were born exactly when God wanted you to be. For what purpose? So that you might find Him and know Him, okay? So uh, many will say things like, uh, well, you know what? I don't know if God's real, but if He's real, I think He's unknowable. No, God wants you to know Him because by knowing Him, the only true God, only in that can you find eternal life. Okay? And we find Him uh, through His Son. And it says, uh, I put down, many claim that God doesn't exist at all. They don't believe in God. Okay? Many will claim uh, other false gods instead of, as Jesus said, He is the only true God. Now, surprisingly, this is surprising to me, 
Many go to a church that teaches the word of truth. But many people in the congregation are proclaiming, they proclaim, a completely different God than the Bible. You ever find that in church? You go to church, and what they say, you're like, what? Where are you getting that? Well, you're talking about a, a different Jesus. You're not talking about the Jesus I know. You ever have that in church? I think we all have. And it's like, that's foreign to us. That's strange. That's, the, that's not even in the Bible. Where are you getting that? I, I've heard the worst theologies in the church, in, in a so-called Christian church. Terrible theology. Okay? The Greeks uh, claimed many mythological gods who, whose quarrels and fights with each other caused destructive events to happen on earth. That's, that's the way they see it. There's a, a pantheon of gods, and they're just fighting each other. They're causing everything from lightning and thunder to uh, earthquakes and tidal waves and you name it. That, that's their idea of God. That's not our idea. That's not the one true God. Okay, our God is the only true God. He is the sovereign God. You know what sovereign means? He's not asking for permission to do anything. He's in full control. All right? And you should be happy about that. Uh, this sovereign God is holy, righteous, and just. You want to hear something good about God? He's loving and full of mercy. Have you ever thought of that? Praise the Lord. Uh, he is the creator of the universe and all that's in it, everything. He's made it all. He's made the heavens, okay? But he himself has always existed. We, all, we often wonder, where does God come from? Uh, he wasn't created. He is the uncreated one. He made everything that there is, but nothing made him. The Bible uh, tells us that God personally makes each one of us. All right? He is our maker. Look, he didn't wind up a clock and just let people be born at these random times through random acts. Remember what it said here, that, that God purposed for you to come forth in a due time to the right parents. He determined where you would be born for this purpose, that you would know him. He had a hand in making you personally. He gives you your soul. Think about that. All right? It's important uh, that we would know him and, and as much as we possibly can. All right? And not only did he make each one of us, he made us after his own image. Okay? We're not talking about God looks like us physically. We're not talking about that. We're talking about God uh, made us with his uh, attributes. Okay? We have free will. We, we're creative. We're personal beings. We're not robots. We're feeling beings. Okay? God often uh, refers to things with uh, anthropomorphisms, which are uh, God's heart. You know, and God looked down. How did he do that? With, with eyes, like eyeballs like we have? No, God's a spirit. But he can see. Okay? Uh, God's listening. He made the ear, too. Well, how could he make the ear if he can't hear? Well, who are we praying to if he can't hear? No, he hears. Okay, so he is, he's made us like that so that we could uh, understand, so that we could seek him, so that we could uh, minister to one another. All right? Um, and, and on top of that, God is holy. He's holy. He's set apart. You know, God, the word for God is Elohim. And it's a plural word. doesn't mean there's more than one God. But he is God above anything calling itself God. Okay? He's over all. There's nothing higher than him, nothing greater. He is holy. He's set apart. Right? He is supreme. He is a supreme being and the supreme ruler of all. Right? We could just keep on going and talk about God in, in these terms, and we could be here all day. Right. I um, read, read a, a complaint. It was a complaint yesterday. It wasn't to me personally, but uh, somebody was airing out their complaint. And they talked about calling the suicide hotline. 
They despaired of their own life. They called the suicide hotline. And their complaint was this. All that person did was talk about Jesus. I'm going, praise the Lord. I mean, think about that. They were an atheist. They were at the end of life. They despaired of life. And they were ready to kill themselves. And their only complaint is that the person on the other line talked of Jesus. Look, if you're an atheist, what's there to live for? You don't believe in God anyway. Just check out. Just punch your card and check out. The fact that they talked about Jesus said that they talked about the only thing that could possibly give hope to mankind. And I was just like, thank God. And the fact that they were complaining about it means they probably didn't go through with it. And I thought, well, that's, it worked. Praise the Lord. You know, they live another day. Maybe they'll think about what was said. But I just find that astonishing that, you know, that this person would feel this way. Um, I just think he's the only real hope. As a matter of fact, we talk about uh, him being, uh, Jesus is in the image of God as well. Uh, Colossians 1.15 says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Well, how do we actually know this God? Well, look at Jesus. Then you get an idea of what he's like. Because God wants us to know him and his son whom he had sent. This is life eternal, Jesus said. That, that is a wonderful proposition. Okay, He wants us to know him. Here's the second thing. Second point. All right, God makes himself known to us. Now, let me give you some ways he does that. As a matter of fact, if you were to uh, turn to... Revelation 3.20 at the back of your Bible. Most of us ought to know that. Uh, Behold, I stand at the door, and what's he doing? He's knocking. Well, wait a minute, why is he knocking on our door? Um, his answer was this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Isn't that great? God's like knocking on your door. Anybody have, ever have God knock on their door, the door of their heart? Anybody in here? Praise the Lord. He wants you to, to know him, so he makes himself known. That's a, a wonderful thing. Here, here's what it says in John 6, 65. And he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. So, God makes himself known to you. He draws you to his son Jesus so that you might know him and know the Father and then have eternal life. Isn't that great? Now, how many of you are experiencing a vibrant, uh, ongoing relationship with the God of glory? You see, we, we often think of him as somewhat more distant, like, like almost like a distant relative. Somebody living in a different state. You know, if you know God, he's living right on the inside of you. He's taken up resonance. He's parked on your heart. Okay? Jesus says he draws, uh, God draws us to him, to Jesus. This is what it says in John 6, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, Draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Praise God for that. You, you want to know how you got here? God drew you at the right time and made you aware of his son. That's how you got here. All right? Jesus uh, calls all men to himself. Now listen, this isn't, I want to stress something that this isn't Calvinism. If you're not familiar with the doctrine of Calvinism, uh, John Calvin, who lived before Martin Luther, Martin Luther was also uh, following the teachings of John Calvin, but he basically says that uh, you have no hand whatsoever, no, nothing you can do to know God, to be saved. Uh, he draws you, he saves you, he gives you what's called uh, irresistible grace, in other words, you cannot resist it. If you're a person getting saved, then nothing you can do about it. You don't have a say. Uh, 
Well, that kind of undermines the free will he says he gives us, doesn't it? So you can't have free will and not be able to say no. That doesn't make sense. So I'm not, I'm not promoting that. I'm saying that's a bad doctrine, I think. I do not agree with it. I think God is an uh, equal opportunity Savior, and Jesus said, whosoever will may come and drink of the uh, water of life freely. Okay? Jesus said, whoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. If you come to Jesus today, you've never known Jesus, you've never professed Jesus. If you come today, he will save you. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Well, that sounds to me like he'll save anybody who wants to be saved. Now, I will tell you this, he initiates contact. He makes himself known to you. He draws you to himself. But I think even at that point, you could say, don't want it. No thanks. Okay? We had somebody leave today. We're going to talk about God. This isn't about this church. This isn't about me. This isn't about our Baptist affiliation. They just felt uncomfortable with Baptists. Like, why? We're preaching out of the Bible. We're preaching this God out of the Bible. Don't you want to know Him? Don't you want to know eternal life? Well, that's what we're talking about. I'm not here to judge. We, we can't judge anyone. All right? But, you know, I had, a, had somebody leave a Bible study one time when, when Travis was one of our youth, and they said, I am God. That's what they said. You may think that's funny. More people think they're a God or goddess than you think. In fact, if you uh, go next door to the Bible study, there's a sign on the door in there that says, I am. I get the willies looking at it, Okay. But if you go to the front studio, it says, I am, and underneath people have filled out all kinds of little placards, and one says, I am a goddess. I'm like, okay. I, that gives me more willies, and uh, I am strength, I'm whatever. They, there's a whole bunch of that. Look, that guy wasn't God, and he left before we got started in the Bible. He ate food and then left. I said, why is he leaving? Call him back over here. We're about to talk about him. We're about to read his word. Why is he leaving? Well, I'll tell you why he's leaving. He's not God. And he's about to know that. Okay? But God makes himself known to us. In uh, Matthew twenty-two fourteen. Jesus says uh, this. Okay? Well, many are called. Few are chosen. Jesus said, I'd be lifted up. I'll... Draw how many men to myself? All men. See, Jesus is drawing all men, but not everybody answers the call. Some people say, no thanks. I, I don't want Jesus. I'm out of here. Okay. Your choice. All right? In Luke 10, uh, Jesus, who God reveals, uh, God himself reveals as being his son, reveals the Father unto the disciples. So God says, this is my son. The son says, that's my father. Do you understand that? They, they're pointing to each other. This is what it says in uh, verses 21 and 22. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. And he says, All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth whom the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. God makes himself known. Okay? So, here's uh, another way God makes himself known. To us is that God speaks to us, listen, by His Son, by His Word. He speaks to us by His Spirit and by His church. Let me break those down for you. <clears throat> by His Son. Hebrews 1.1 says this, God who at sundry times, we, we read this one a lot, quite a bit actually, sundry times, that's uh, different times, and in diverse manners, spake in time past, 
unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Who, who's telling us these things in the Bible? Jesus. Okay. Jesus said this in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You follow Jesus? You know his voice when you hear it? Do you know if that's the voice of Jesus or if that's the voice of the enemy? Do you know that? Do you know when you hear it, if it's which one it is? You know, some people say things and I'm like, that's not Jesus. I don't know where you got that, but that's not Jesus. Okay? You ought to know him. Now, let me clarify. It doesn't mean that you literally hear Jesus' voice. Some people will hear, hear a verse like this and they'll go, well, I never hear him talking to me. Uh, you hear him more than you think you do. You just don't know it's him, perhaps. But, but he's speaking, okay? Uh, you don't hear it in an audible voice, but you will know him by his word. If you study the Bible, you study the scripture, and you particularly study the words of Christ and his teaching, you will know when it's him and when it's not him, period. Okay, because he wants you to know that. All right? Let me give you an example of that. Perhaps you're reading the scriptures, you come across something like this, Jesus saying in the scriptures, uh, and you know, you just want to know, uh, is this the will, his will for you? Well, how many of you know when his word says, love one another as I have loved you? How many of you know that's the word of Jesus? Right? Because that's what it says. You hear that and it resonates within our spirit that this is the word of Christ. All right? How about this one? Uh, you know, he's, he's speaking to us specifically, even though that's written in the Bible, we know we're supposed to love one another this way. Okay? How about this one? Go ye and make disciples. Is that for us? Absolutely. All right? We, we shouldn't be trivializing that. We shouldn't be uh, equivocating over that. He means that for us. We hear that. We ought to know that's him speaking to us. Okay? So I put this down, that we have trouble not with hearing the voice of Jesus, but in obeying the voice of Jesus. That's our problem. Okay? We don't obey what we hear, but we do hear it. All right? What did Jesus say in Matthew 5, 31 and 32? He said this. He said, It has been said, Whoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put, his, put away his wife, except for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her, that is divorced, commits adultery. All right, wait a minute. Hold on there. I'm not trying to step on toes, but is that the word of Jesus? You know, God hates divorce. We ought to be able to read that and at least acknowledge that's the word of God, and he would rather us not divorce in the church. He would rather us work it out. That's not always possible, is it? I mean, we can be honest about it. That's not always possible. That's not always practical. Sometimes you have to get out. Okay? Doesn't mean we're condemned. Just understand this. That his will, his desire is that we work it out. I can get a lot of trouble for saying something like that, but I'm just telling you what his word says. People may not agree with that, but he's communicating. We don't have a hearing problem. We have an obedience problem. Okay? Now, I told you he talks by his son. He also talks by his word, the word of God. All right? The teachings of Christ specifically are found in the Gospels and in Acts and in Revelation. Right? I mean, you don't see, and thus Jesus said this and this through all the epistles, but you do see them in the books I mentioned, specifically where his words are being taught, and not even a whole lot in the book of Acts, just a little bit, all right? But um, the Bible, in the, in the whole of the Bible, the whole volume is really about Jesus. So you can't really divorce anything else in the other books from Jesus, Okay? Uh, the teachings of the apostles, of the prophets, of the law, all of that has to do with him. Now, we can re receive the revelation to obey and take action 
through any of these other books in the Bible as well. It doesn't have to be only obeying the word of Jesus. Okay? He may instruct us through that. He's speaking by his word. All right? God instructs us. He guides us. He chides us. He gives us wisdom. He gives us unction and function. And he interacts with us through the word. This is what Hebrews 4.12 says. Everybody know that one? The word of God is sharper than what? Any two-edged sword, right? It's quick and powerful. Or, or the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Some people think soul and the spirit are the same thing. Then what's he dividing? Soul and spirit. Okay? There's two things. Uh, and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you will discover that the Bible's reading you. You're just sitting there reading along and it's getting you. And it's talking to you. You're not, you're not like trying to pull stuff out of it. It's speaking. God's speaking by his word. All right? Here's the third thing. God speaks by his spirit. Okay? The spirit of God that dwells in you is speaking. How many of you are about to do something, and it's probably something God wouldn't have you do, and the spirit goes, don't do that? Anybody? That happens to me all the time. Don't you say that. You better be careful what you're about to do. Well, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit talking. You know, here's the thing. You don't think that's the Holy Spirit. Look, we want to do it. In the flesh, we want to go do what God doesn't want us to do. But the Spirit's going, mm-mm. Now, Jesus, uh, or Paul said, the Spirit wars against our flesh so that we cannot do what we want to do. Well, then that's why you're hearing that voice. He is talking. He's trying to talk you out of something, okay? In John uh, 16, 13, Jesus said this about the Spirit. It says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He, meaning the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. Right? He's guiding us. Are you encouraged by that? That God didn't just say, Hey, just do the best you can. I'll see you on the other side. I mean, He didn't do that. He is actually guiding you step by step. And that's not a New Testament thing. I mean, it is with the Spirit. But doesn't, the, doesn't Proverbs even talk about that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He shall what? Direct thy paths. You know, in Isaiah, he talked about, you'll hear this voice behind you. Don't go to the right or to the left, but this is the way. Walk in it. Doesn't he say that? Okay, God's Spirit will guide us, okay? Uh, he says this, He'll guide us into all truth, for you shall not... Listen, get this down. If we're going to be students of the Word, and we want to know God, and we want to know what He says, and we need to know and be able to weigh truth from error, look at what He says next. I want, I want you to get this. He shall not speak of Himself. The Spirit doesn't say, hey, here I am. See, that's not the Holy Spirit. He says, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, Jesus said, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and sh shall show it unto you. What is the Holy Spirit doing? He's glorifying Jesus. He's making you aware of Jesus' word and his revelation to you. He does not say, hey, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look what I can do. You ever see kids do that? They, they say, look what I can do, and then it's something silly. You're like, ah, that's, that's good. That's not the Holy Spirit. He's not doing that. He says, look at Jesus. Well, how do I know if the Spirit's speaking? Well, he's going to say, look at Jesus. Look to him. Look at his word. Obey his word. He's not saying, look, I got a whole bunch of cool things I can do. And it seems like a lot of churches today 
are living off of that. They're thriving off of that. They got a little thing happening over here. Come see what new thing God's doing. He ain't doing a new thing. He's been doing this 2,000 years. Okay? And if it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit say, look at him. Look at Jesus, the Son of God. Obey him. That's what he's saying. Okay? Well, so we have the Spirit speaking to us. All right? Jesus received everything from the Father. The Spirit receives the things of Christ, and he shows it to us. Well, did you receive these things from God or from Jesus or from the Holy Spirit? You betcha. Absolutely. It's not one of them. See, God is triune. He's fully united. The Spirit and Jesus and God are not, never sitting around going, well, I don't agree with that. One God, one Spirit, one Lord. Okay? I probably didn't say that in the right order, but God forgive me. But don't miss this. The Spirit, according to John 13, he shall not speak of himself. Verse 14 says, he shall glorify me. Jesus said that of the Holy Spirit. He glorifies Jesus. All right, lastly, uh, God speaks to us by his church. All right, there's a lot of unnecessary confusion about who or what the church is. Now, the church is simply the body of believers in Christ. They are the called out ones. Where are we called out of? Help me out. The world. We're called out of the world system, the, world, the way the world lives. We're called out of that into his glorious light. His marvelous light, are we not? And the light being the truth of God. We are, you know, every other false religion talks about some kind of enlightenment. As though you're going to be woke, you'll be turned on. No, no, no. See, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into how much truth? All truth. You want true enlightenment? You want to know what that is? It comes from God. And what he reveals. It comes from him. It does not come from all the other religions. Now they may have elements of truth mixed in, right? I mean, no, no religion can, can survive off of pure falsehood. They have to mix it with truths that touch each one of us in order to be successful. Okay? So they'll do that. But only God's word is the truth. Okay? So... When he speaks by the church, um, the church is simply this body of believers, the called out ones. They're called out of the world and called into Christ and into his marvelous light. There is a singular, singular corporate body of believers, right? The church is the bride of Christ. Are we the bride? Well, what if the, the church that believes in Jesus across town, are they the bride? How many brides do you got? Just one. Okay, but I want you to understand there is one corporate body in the world of believers that believe in Jesus, one body that recognizes him as Lord. But there are a bunch of local bodies of believers. We're one of them. We're a local body of people that worship and love Jesus. That's what we are. Okay, by the way, um, the, the Bible speaks in those same terms uh, if you looked at uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 16, uh, you could just jot that note down. I'll read it to you. It says, but if any man seemed to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Is that plural or singular? That's plural. That's multiple churches. Okay? Let me give you another one. Acts 9, 29. He speaks boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but... They went about to slay him, which, when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. And it says, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and were edified in walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and they were multiplied. That's multiple churches. Okay? Again. Uh, here's a singular reference. It says in Hebrews 12, 23, uh, the writer of Hebrews, we're not sure who that was, but he says, to the general assembly and the church 
of the firstborn. Is he talking to just a particular church or the whole church? That's the whole church. Okay? We need to understand. Well, who's, who's speaking? Well, the Spirit's speaking. He speaks through men. He's speaking through the church. He's giving instruction to the body. What am I doing up here? Am I trying to tell you to follow me or follow Jesus? Jesus. Do I want you to know me or know God? I don't care if you know me at all. I want you to know him. Because I can't give you eternal life, but he can. And he will. He promises to do it. I want you to know him. Okay? That's why I preach him. Now, where are we doing that? We're doing that within the church. Okay? Well, uh, how does God speak through his church? Well, he does so by all. I, w- I want to share some things with you, okay? Uh, many think that the pastor is the only one that has any authority in the church. That is wrong. You know, the Bible speaks that every believer has what's called the priesthood of a believer. Each of us are made priests and kings unto God. Did you know that? That's speaking of men and women alike. We are priests and kings unto God. That's what Christ has done with us. We're to tell of his glory, right? Now, God can speak through the usher that greets you at the door. You walk in, usually the first face you see, unless you run into somebody out in the parking lot. Okay? But he'll speak through an usher that greets you at the door. God can speak through the humble service of a saint who offers you a smile, a cup of coffee, maybe a donut. Look, if you don't see the grace of God in in a donut, I don't know how to help you. I really don't. And to get a cup of coffee with that, I'm just saying. God can speak uh, through the worship team at a church. And in fact, that's probably your first powerful encounter when you come to church service. Brother Travis is sick. Uh, His voice is is, uh, strained. But he got up and he led us in wonderful praise to Almighty God. Along with the rest of those who were up here singing. They led us as well. Well, what's he doing? He's speaking by the believers in the church. Okay? God can speak uh, through the church Sunday school teacher as the words expounded upon. If you go to Sunday school and you don't learn anything... Uh, you either aren't listening or you have a terrible teacher. Okay? I know that's not the case in our Sunday school. But it's one of the two. Some people go and they don't hear what they want to hear, so they say, I didn't learn anything. Well, you weren't listening. You, you, you weren't putting to the test what's being taught. You got to do that. You got to come. All right? God can speak through the warm handshake of every church member. You know, sometimes we don't want to be bothered. We want to go to church. Well, just leave me alone. I'm keeping it myself. Hey, do you realize that a person might see Jesus in you today? You know what Jesus never says? I just want to be left alone. Don't, don't talk to me. Really, just go away. That's not the, what he's given off. Okay? So think about that. He's speaking through the church. All right? We welcome guests best we can, and we, we can't win them all. Hey, God speaks to, uh, through the church by our children. Have you ever thought of that? The children are not the future church. Mark that down. We, we like to think of them kind of like our parents thought of us. Children ought to be seen and not heard. No, no, no. Children ought to be seen. They ought to be heard. They ought to reflect what kind of parent you are. They ought to reflect what kind of spiritual teaching you're instilling in them. And you know what happens when you, when you train up a child in the way they should go and somebody encounters your kid who loves Jesus and loves the church and loves fellowship? The church is speaking to this person that God's at work here. I uh, was reading a, uh, an article yesterday about the Church of Satan and, and its founder, Anton LaVey. And you guys are like, why is our pastor looking up the Church of Satan? Well, I told you last week, you got to know your enemy. That's the first thing. 
But I'm like, what was this guy about? What made him start the church of Satan? Like, what is wrong with this fella? Well, I didn't get that much out of it, but here's what I did discover, okay? Uh, is that every one of his children are active in the church of Satan today. All three of them. They are doing major things in the church of Satan. Here's what I've been saying for a long time. The Bible instructs us, train up a child in the way he should go, and he won't depart from it when he's old. You know what will happen if you bring up your children wrong? They won't depart from that either. Now you think about that. What are you instilling in them? See, the children are part of this church. They're showing who Jesus is. Believers in Christ are commanded to raise up their children in the training and admonition of the Lord. Look, don't leave it up to them. Start as soon as they come out. My son said when his son came out, he whispered in his ear, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's what Jewish people do. First words he got to hear was not, here, mama, take the baby. He heard about the Lord God. And I'm starting to see that he probably is going to need that a lot. Okay? Here's the third thing, and we're almost done. But God wants us uh, to not only know him through Jesus, but know also how to walk like Jesus. So he wants us to know him. He wants us to know his son. But he also wants us to walk as Jesus walked. You think that's not important? Listen, when the Bible speaks about our walk, it's not referring to our fitness routine, okay? It's, it's not talking about that. Uh, it's talking about one's walk of faith, their manner of traversing through life's ebbs and flows. In other words, how we navigate through life's paths as believers. That's our walk. Not a foot race, it's a walk, Okay? We're going to encounter things slowly, gradually, daily. Uh, I'll give you an example of this. Now, I know I'm talking about driving, but I'm just talking about the path because, remember, he guides our path. We used to take family trips, which we like. We like to take road trips. We get out something that some of you young people have never heard of. It's called an atlas, and that's a really big book with road maps in it. You guys have something called Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever. But you can't really write on it. Okay, we take the atlas and we plot our course. And as we go along, when we hit certain exits, if there's something good there, we'd make notes on the map. Hey, this is a really good place to, to eat. This is a good place to stop. Uh, this place had whatever that was unique. Okay. So when we write stuff down, we're looking for the best places to eat. We're looking for the cheapest gas price, okay? And this is a route we would take often, so we, we kind of write down, okay, this place wasn't good, that one was good. You, you know what the most important thing you want to write down when you're traveling by, by, by road? Who has the cleanest bathroom? That, that's not a joke. You want to know who has the cleanest bathroom. And I'm going to tell you why. And you may not know this, but as bathrooms go, so goes the kitchen. If the bathroom isn't clean, don't count on the kitchen being clean. I'm serious. Because people will not take any better care of the bathroom than they do the kitchen. You ought to smell some bleach. It ought to be sparkling white. You shouldn't see bugs running around, all right? You shouldn't see it. Nobody's paid any attention to this in hours, maybe days, perhaps weeks. Get out of there. Write that down on your map, okay? Why do I say all of that? Why do I give you that example? Listen, God, he has provided us a roadmap for our lives. You understand this? That has the greatest enjoyment the fewest hindrances. Uh, he has the best return on our investment in the kingdom. His way is right. It's good. It's clean. His way is clean. Okay? 
He wants us to walk as His children, and He's given to us His Son that we might walk as He walked. I'm going to close with this verse, but it says this in 1 John 2.1. John says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Aren't you glad about that? He goes on to say this, And he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the satisfactory payment for our sins. Okay? And it says that, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him. Remember, that's the goal. We want to know Him. Hereby, we do know that we know Him if we could keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. Okay? But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we him, or know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Amen? Amen. And, you know, what I've shared with you today, that's just a scratch on the surface about knowing God, about knowing Jesus. I've been reading the Bible for 25 years, literally, every day. And do you know, there's so much more to still know. You'll never, you'll never complete that. But to know Him is life eternal, okay? And the more you know Him, the more you have confidence in that promise. All right, Brother Travis? We have a quick uh, time invitation you know, I don't presume to know how God's speaking to you with these verses, but I do know He's speaking. I do know that He has laid some things on all of our hearts in some way, shape, or form, even this afternoon. I'm going to ask our brothers to come up. We'll have a quick time invitation, and then we won't, we won't belabor that. We do not have study tonight, so you're, you're free to think on these things the rest of the day. But... As uh, Brother Travis is playing, if there's something that you want to uh, come forward for, as the Spirit lays it on your heart, you come forward, okay? Perhaps it's to know Jesus, perhaps it's to uh, obey Jesus, whatever it may be. Maybe you have a specific prayer request, but you come as the Lord leads. Every head bowed, not looking around, you come as the Spirit gives.